It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Philip Rossmanreich, and you are Locked On Magic. Trying a new intro here, just trying to change things up a little bit. We're two weeks away from the beginning of NBA training camp. And we've got a World Cup to finish recapping as Evan Fournier is not happy with the bronze medal. And I stand for Jawan Howard. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 16th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. We'll talk about the FIBA World Cup here coming up in just a bit. Plus, a special guest in the podcast today is Adam Papagiorgio stops by to talk the most underappreciated players in Orlando Magic history. It'll be part one of a two-part conversation with Adam where the second part on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. So plenty to get to here, and I want to run through it very, very quickly. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all, you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like we have a podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, it's a podcast for every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find from someone like me, a local expert who follows their team closely. No matter who that team is, whether it's the Raptors that celebrate Marcus Gasol or the Suns that celebrate Ricky Rubio, you can find a Locked On podcast. Uh, also, I was a guest on the Locked On NBA podcast on Monday talking about the FIBA World Cup and Evan Fournier as well. So check out that podcast too, plus Locked On Fantasy Basketball as well to get, your, get yourself set for your fantasy season because guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? We are only two weeks away from the opening of Magic Training Camp, of the NBA's season officially kicking off. Two weeks away. Just one Monday left, or today, Monday, and then next Monday, and then Media Day. So exciting. I, I, I'm, I'm bursting with excitement. I've obviously already changed the intro to be this excited. But you can find all those great podcasts, plus NFL, MLB, and Colleges 2 on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Just search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. Uh, um, the Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The FIBA World Cup has wrapped. Spain defeats Argentina to win the FIBA World Cup and take home the gold medal, becoming uh, one of, I think, three teams now that have won the FIBA World Cup more than one time. The United States, of course, has done it several times, and Yugoslavia, which no longer exists, has also won it on multiple occasions. But the focus for us is on France. Evan Fournier was named to the all-tournament team. He was one of the best players at the FIBA World Cup. He averaged close to 19 points per game. Shot a fairly respectable, I think it ended up being like a 48% effective field goal percentage, so a little inefficient at times. But overall, it was hard not to watch Evan Fournier and come away completely impressed. He played composed. He stepped up in big moments with big shots, which we know Evan Fournier will do. Uh, And he just looked very determined to help his team win. He seemed very, very... uh, He was a leader of the team. Nicholas Batum even told Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com during the gold medal game that Evan Fournier was 
their team leader. And, and I think that's extremely encouraging. But something else was also encouraging to me when it came to Evan Fournier and the way that he played in this tournament. Something else really caught my eye. And it was actually on social media after the event was over. Evan Fournier scored 16 points on 17 shots in, in, uh, in the France's win, win over Australia to get the bronze medal, the second straight bronze medal for France at the World Cup. And it was a moment that, if you look at the pictures, everyone on that team was excited about. Everyone except Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier kind of has a stern look as he's crouched down in the middle as teammates around him are, are thrilled and Underneath that photo on Instagram that, uh, and Twitter that Evan Fournier posted, he left a statement, and it's in French, but through the magic of Google Translate, us and we in English can understand it. The Google Translate translation of what Fournier said was this. It would be a lie to say that I'm happy with this bronze medal. My reaction... It's just that I do not know how to pretend. Some will understand me, others will not. But I'm like that, and it's not ready to change. I wanted so much more. We wanted so much more. In fact, Fournier would later tell, uh, tell media in China that he was disappointed that Team USA did not or was not able to bring their best players. And this is France who beat Team USA. He was, he was upset that several key players, several promising young players, decided to skip out this tournament and did not view this tournament as important, which I agree with that criticism. And Fournier specifically singled out one of his friends and former teammates, Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers, who pulled out of the Team USA pool before training camp began. Now, I'm not one to judge a player's decision whether to play or not. I think these things are important. I think it's really admirable and, and important that so many international players view this tournament as important. Marc Gasol, who had a fantastic tournament as well and, and played really well for Spain, was key defensively to Spain, beating Argentina to win the gold medal. He was just coming off of playing in the NBA Finals, went to this tournament, won it, and is going to go out and play for the Raptors again here in a couple weeks at, at his age. In fact, it was interesting as Spain, as the clock ticked down and Spain was clearly about to win the World Cup, the debate on Twitter, which really isn't a debate, but the statements on Twitter were like, this, this win, this World Cup win cements Marc Gasol as a basketball Hall of Famer. I don't know if he actually needed this to do it, but it certainly feels like Marc Gasol can book his trip to Naismith five years, or book his trip to Springfield five years after he retires. These, these, these tournaments do carry weight. They do matter. And for much of the rest of the world, the World Cup is actually more important than the Olympics. Not that the Olympics aren't important, for, but to, to the United States, to the Americans, the Olympics are more prestigious. Uh, maybe it has something to do with the TV deal. But, well, I think, and, and I said as much last week when I talked about division titles, I do think you should celebrate victories, wherever they come from. And winning the bronze medal in a major tournament like this is a victory. Now, granted, France won the bronze medal the last time they had Tony Parker back then, but they should feel like they are making moves and making progress toward eventually winning a gold medal. And 
to Fournier's point as well, the U.S. isn't often going to send a team as weak as they sent this time around. Now, now maybe the U.S. isn't quite as uh, unbeatable as they once were, but this was clearly not the best team the United States could send. And so when the U.S. does get bored with these international competitions and that window's open, you got to win when the window's open. And so in that sense, yes, there was a missed opportunity here. But I would take this another way. I've hung around Evan Fournier, or been around him after games and, and with this Magic team long enough to, know, to have a little bit of a sense of, of how he thinks and how he works. And I would say this. Evan Fournier was just as upset about the season he had for the Orlando Magic as you all were. Fournier's become a little bit of the scapegoat for the Orlando Magic and all their ills. And he would probably agree with you to some extent. That's kind of how he's wired. He was not happy with how he shot all season. He he struggled to explain why he was shooting so poorly. Why he wasn't able to do the really the one thing the Magic needed him to do. And in the playoffs, it was even worse. Shot worse than 30% from beyond the arc in the playoffs as his scoring averages dipped like crazy. In a moment where the Magic needed him to deliver on the one thing that he was really relied on to do, he did not deliver. Again, no getting around this. I think Evan Fournier improved in so many ways last year. He was a better defender, a better playmaker. I thought his decision-making was largely better, although he still fell into the traps of kind of hunting for his own shot or trying to take his turn, so to speak, in the offense. But he had a great season outside of the shooting element, which was important. And I think Fournier would agree that, yes, that part mattered in ultimately judging his season. And you could tell at the end of the year he expected more of himself. Yes, the team made the playoffs and that was worth celebrating and that was an achievement, but they would have done better if he would have done better. And you go back and watch him during this World Cup. You saw a much different player. He was making shots, number one. Even though his efficiency wasn't great, he was making shots. He was taking fewer off-balance shots. He was attacking aggressively and assertively, just quickly off the bounce. He was running pick and rolls effectively. He was the man for France all tournament. Having Rudy Gobert to set your screens does help a little bit, and I, I, would, I would hope to see Nikola Vucevic also set some, some pretty good screens like Gobert does. But Fournier looked like a different player, a more focused player. And the one thing that I think we can say about Evan Fournier coming out of this FIBA World Cup is he takes disappointment seriously. And he gets to work. He looked a lot better in this tournament than he did last season. The fact that he exits a tournament where France won the bronze medal, clinched an Olympic bid, he was named to the All-FIBA team, he comes out disappointed because they did not accomplish their main goal, I think says a lot about his competitiveness and his fire. It's been a common sentiment among the Orlando Magic uh, pre-training camp that they want more. They're not satisfied with just making the playoffs. They did that last year, and that was an important step for them to prove that they could do it. 
But now that they know they can do it, they want to do more. And I think Evan Fournier echoes that. That he is not merely satisfied with getting a medal and placing the same place France was five years ago. He's not merely satisfied with individually having a good tournament and making the all-tournament team. He's not satisfied until the job is done. Until the team would win the gold medal. That would have been the only way for Fournier to crack a smile. And, you know, certainly silver is awkward because you win a medal, but you lose that last game. So you don't feel great putting that silver around your neck. At least with bronze, you win a game to win bronze. So I always kind of liked having the... The, the the third place the the loser of the championship game win the bronze medal and then the but that's not how things work I think that's how it used to work I take what what Evan Fournier said and how he's kind of reacted to winning the bronze as a sign that this guy's ready to compete play hard and get the job done for the Orlando Magic. As encouraging as his play was during the FIBA World Cup, this attitude and this fire to continually improve, to continually get better, and to set your goals high, which this Magic team is. This Magic team, you know, the realistic expectation might be, oh, just make the playoffs again, and I'll probably say that that's what my expectation is ultimately for this team. Internally, starting to sound like this playoff, this, this, this Magic team, believes that they are not merely just a playoff team, but they're coming for home court advantage, at the very least. They're coming to get out of the first round, at the very least. They're expecting a much more tangible improvement. And they're expecting to do a lot more than I think a lot of people outside of that organization, or outside of that team, are expecting or predicting them to do. And Evan Fournier is embodying this attitude. He had a really strong tournament, a really encouraging tournament, a tournament that makes me believe he is due not merely for just a bounce-back season, but a whole lot more. And that should get Magic fans, and that should get the Magic very excited. Because this is a guy that's not going to quit or be satisfied until... The team's ultimate goal is achieved. And to me, those are the kind of people you want to go to war with. We'll welcome in uh, Adam Papagiorgio here in just a bit to talk about uh, about my list of the 30 most underappreciated players in Orlando Magic history over Labor Day on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I, I devised a list to rank the 30 most underappreciated players in Magic history. You can check out that list on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll post it as well on our social media channels with Locked On Magic, at Locked On Magic on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. Um, but I wanted to get Adam in because he's kind of my, my Magic history go-to guy. Him and I have probably, uh, out uh, people of people outside of the organization, we probably talk and think about Magic history a lot more than a lot of, a lot of other people do. So, Hopefully you will enjoy that conversation, a little walk down memory lane. But before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit about Peloton. 
Um, if you can't find a workout that keeps you engaged, Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. I am someone who loves to cycle because I tore up my foot playing basketball. Uh, so I hate running. I hate going on treadmills. My, my feet are always swollen. So I enjoy getting on the bike. It's actually helped me lose a lot of weight in the past. And Peloton is a fantastic, fantastic product that allows you to kind of do it with ease, to take that spin class at the gym from your own home. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. That's OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we are now joined by Adam Papagiorgio, my favorite Orlando Magic historian. Whenever I have anything I need to talk about Orlando Magic history, I turn to my man Adam. We we nerd out on Magic history while we're, while we were while we were in the Magic media room back when he back when he covered the Magic full time. But uh, he's now the host of the Penny and Pops podcast. Adam, it's been a long time since you've been on the show. It's been a long time since we've chatted. How are you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm I'm doing awesome. I'm sure you're excited because once that uh, media day uh, email goes out, you know magic season's right around the I've corner. Been, so I'm, I'm excited. I've been, I've been itching for it. I, I actually double checked like maybe two weeks ago just to, just to see if media day had been scheduled. It was like it was like peeking it was like peeking in the closet for Christmas gifts and like no and like Thanksgiving. I'm like I know they're there, um, but we're right around the corner. The FIBA World Cups kind of held me over. I, I'm sure you got some. Some thoughts on that, and, and we're all cheering for Evan Fournier to bring the gold home, if not only just to see how Nikola Vucevic reacts to it. Uh, but uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to the more modern magic here in a second. But I wanted to bring you on because over on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, uh, I list I released my ranking um, with some info from the fans and some input from from fans, but it's essentially my ranking of the 30 yeah. most underappreciated players in Orlando Magic history. Um, I, we've, we were talking before. You, you've had some disagreements with me on my list, which is perfectly all right. But uh, I, I, I think I wanted to, as I kind of explained to, to you off, off air as well, I kind of wanted to leave it open-ended to what underappreciated meant. But I, I really wanted to hone in on guys that sort of magic history has forgotten or, or has misremembered in, in some way. Uh, in, in some fashion, um, and then of course I picked Nikola Vucevic to be number one, but that, that's that's that I think there's a good reason for that as well. But w- when I ask you this question, who are the most underappreciated players in Orlando Magic history? Who comes to mind? Oh man, yeah, I mean you, I think you did as far as a Magic fan base perspective. I think right now you did the right <laughs> thing picking Nikola Vucevic because even though. The man's coming off an all-star season. Still, half the fan base does not like him, and I get it. There were he's part. He's still part of the reason. You know, the Magic had those those rough years, but I mean, he's here now. He's a big reason why the Magic had that great season last season. And I mean, from a list perspective, I, I think guy, guys that immediately come to my mind are guys that 
if you did like a top five ranking of magic player positions, like I'm thinking of, you know, Ronnie Cycli could sneak in as a top five center all time. Terry Catledge is like a power forward all time. Um, you know, from a point guard perspective, I ride or die with Ray for Alston because of what he did in that 09 finals run. So, I mean, your list, it, it's tough to, to really, especially when, when you're leaving it open ended with, you know, fan input, uh, you know, when you're trying to decide whether you're factoring in, okay, are we talking national perspective? Are we talking just magic fan perspective? So I get it, man. That's, that's a tough burden. And with any type of list, especially a list that covers, over three decades of magic basketball now that it's it's tough to pull off and so those are a few names that come to mind um i mean mikhail Pietris, i think you had number 10 which i actually would put peaches a little bit higher but then it's like okay who am i taking down like i think nick anderson where you've had him at number eight i think because he's he's one of those ambassadors for the team i think enough people know about nick even though from a national perspective, people remember the free throws in 95. I get that. But from a Magic fan perspective, I think because Nick's still in the spotlight, I would I would think most people appreciate what he was. But then again, if you were to ask, if you were to tell your average fan or basketball fan in Orlando, you know, did you know that Nick Anderson averaged two straight seasons where he scored 19.9 points per game and was knocking on the All-Star game, you know, on an All-Star game door, they probably wouldn't know that. So yeah, it's tough and, because you and I know so much. And and, and Nick Anderson, like I, I I tried to balance sort of the the internal fan perspective and internal fan debates or, or, or memory of some of these players with the national memory. Nick, Nick Anderson to me is a really interesting case, and 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 I think the reason why I put him at number eight is because he's 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 going to be revered forever, uh, you know, for by by Magic fans. But when I think when I kind of think about Nick Anderson too. And I think I've I've come around on this uh, as far as the big question when it comes to Nick Anderson, and that is, yeah. should the Magic retire his jersey? Um, I think initially I was on the no side for for a long time, but now that I've kind of thought about it, and I, I really thought about this mostly when when Dwight Howard finally passed him for for the all, on the all time scoring list in team history. I, yeah. I, the the NBA Finals in 1995 were 24 years ago. We're coming up on the on the you know, 25 year anniversary of the magic going to the NBA finals for the first time. That means there are probably season ticket holders who never saw Nick Anderson play. And no, yeah, absolutely. And, and so I, 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 my concern as, as a magic historian and someone who did see Nick Anderson play and Nick Anderson, you know, maybe I'm misremembering things, but he was I, to to me. He was one of the kind of pioneers, along with you know Gary Payton in in the '90s, of guards who really used the post. Um, like Jordan Payton, both used the post extensively. Nick Anderson was kind of in that group, not on that tier, obviously in all time history, but no, he's a very great post up player. That's I mean he, bef- I mean he had to adapt himself once he had to become more of a supportive player. Once you had Shaq Penny come in, Nick goes from being you know the, a top one top two scoring option to all right now you're like the third fourth fifth guy so nick had to go from you know predominantly scoring inside the three-point line to now he's got to develop a three-point shot because now he's got to spread the floor for guys like shaq and yeah yeah and 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 that transition you know is incredible and of course then he had that that terrible moment which i think the national obviously the national people kind of remember him for i mean even nick anderson's best individual game 
is overshadowed by something else. Uh, he scores 50 points off the bench with the flu, and Shaq brings the goal yeah. down, and that's all we talk about from that game. Um, and so, yeah, in New Jersey. And so, yeah. like, I, 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 I would also honestly say that I think there's a chance that Anderson moves up this list, even though he feels so appreciated now, because time is going to forget him a little bit, I, I, I fear. And, and that's why I've kind of come around, and I'm curious how, what you think about this, that's why I've come around to saying, yes, the Magic should retire number 25. It should hang in the rafters. It should be, you know, in the main arena bowl so that every fan who comes into the Amway Center that is a Magic fan asks, asks who's this Nick Anderson guy and learns more about him, uh, whether it's at the, in the history section uh, at the Amway Center or not. Because I love the idea of the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. I think it's a great way to recognize the team's history. I wish they'd make it more front and center uh, in that part of the arena. But I, I, I still don't think that's enough uh, for, for a guy like Nick Anderson. So I, I'm of the mind that we need to remember him or we will forget him and we should not forget Nick Anderson in, in any way. Yeah, I mean, he's he's Mr. Magic, even though I think you and I can agree that the guy that's had the greatest Magic career of all time is Dwight Howard, as much as Magic fans don't want to admit that. From a, a longevity combined with the statistical combination there, Dwight had eight great, great years, even though he may not have been as as great of a scorer, as great of a offensive force as guys like Shaq, T-Mac, Penny. Because Dwight has that eight-year longevity, and because he's racked up, he still owns a whole bunch of franchise records. And not, and not, and not, only, um, that, I think not only the individual that's tough, stuff. That goes back, this is now like the boss family ownership kind of philosophy, because the whole reason why they don't want to retire jerseys is because the Magic have not won a championship. You and mm-hmm. I both know that they don't want to put anything up in the raft. You know, they don't want to retire anyone's no, a jersey up in the rafters until the Magic have an NBA championship. And that's why they've gone this... Uh, Orlando Magic Hall of Fame route. I think in in the next in five eight years, it's going to become more front and center just because there's going to be more pedestals out there in that section. <laughs> That's true. Right now, it's kind of just a little section. I right think there they in that I corner. think they centered them now. I don't think they're off in that corner. I think it's like seven or eight now that they got. I can't remember now how many what what the number is that they're up to. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's. I get it. I love Nick. I I think though. Because he's he had that 95 failure, and because the Magic have not won a championship, I think it's going to happen after the Magic win a championship, and then we can kind of talk about this. But it's it's tough. I I, I love Nick. I love everything he's done. Um, I will never forget the time he uh, he went out for Halloween downtown with his wife, and he wore his own jersey as his <laughs> costume downtown um, on Church Street. But uh, it's I feel you, Phil. I'm. It, it's one. It's one of those things where I think it, it, you're gonna you're gonna have a tough time reversing course with ownership's viewpoint on that. And I guess so. You're saying Nick would be not would be the first jersey to go up. At, at, you, you want Nick to be the first jersey to go I, up right I, now? I think I think Nick Anderson's. I mean, Nick Anderson honestly should be the first to do anything that the Magic do to honor their history. That's why the obvious choice, yeah, the I, obvious I, choice I, for the I Hall agree. of Fame like was I Pat said, Williams so, and Nick Anderson. Like honestly, yeah, I, honestly. I Pat Williams' mm-hmm. name should probably be up in the banner in the rafters too, if if we want to be perfectly honest. But I feel like Pat Williams should get a statue. Pat Williams should get a statue in front of the building. And I feel like that's going to come once the Magic build that entertainment yeah. complex across the 
across from the Amway Center once that gets done. But um, now I'm with you. I think just because Dwight's exit was terrible, and then it's look, Nick's a- a- exit wasn't the cleanest. Like the Magic have this history where guys, when they exit, it's not the cleanest thing in the world. You know, the Magic ended up having to trade away Nick because after the 95 finals, it was kind of a, a slow kind of downhill situation. They, they, they tried the to hold on year. with Penny, which which is fair. I mean, Penny was still an all they NBA did. Well, player. Chuck Daly, Chuck Daly and his family just did not like Penny. That's another yeah. story for another podcast, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I, I do agree, I think, because look, Nick's the first draft pick in Magic history. He's, he's played 10 years for the Magic, even though Nikola Vucevic might surpass him in games played uh soon depending on on how that goes but um i think nick if the magic were to retire jersey i agree it should be nick i don't think the magic should retire jersey right now i think because they've gone this magic hall of fame route you just kind of stick got to stick with it until the magic went to championship yeah, and I, I mean i think that's fair i mean i i don't have a huge problem with with the way the magic are deciding to honor their history um i think some people some people like the idea of retiring a jersey and think that's kind of exclusively how teams should honor their history. And I'm like, it doesn't but matter how you, have, you do it. You just do it. But then you have franchises that kind of water it down yeah. with depending on which jerseys. Like, I mean, the Miami Heat put Michael Jordan's jersey I, up I mean, in the I, I think they're still embarrassed by that, to be honest. Especially a Pat Riley and team. That, and I think there's a debate that they're going to take that down maybe finally. But... <laughs> I mean, there's there's franchise. I, I'm not gonna bring them up now, but there's franchises that have retired jerseys, and I'm like, okay, sure, yeah, why not? And it, I'm sure it means a lot more to those fans than say your average Joe. But I think the Magic are thinking from a more outer perspective point of view than just Orlando. And that's that's fair. and and I get it. I I I do get it. And I you know I I think this Orlando Magic Hall of Fame is better than when they did the kind of the ring of honor the banner of honor around uh, the old yeah, arena that, that when they work out for a few years on now to a player that you and I discussed a little bit off air that that you said Thanks. I had underrated and that's my number 9 guy on my list uh Terry Catledge leading scorer on the Magic's inaugural team played two more years with the Magic I, I will admit that my uh, knowledge of some of those earlier teams isn't as good as it should be. Why? And, and so in this case, yes, Terry Catledge is underappreciated. Why? What What was it about Terry Catledge that, that, you know, made a lasting impact on the magic besides just being the first leading scorer in the team's history? I mean, I would say he was the most stable guy because it took Nick and then it took Dennis Scott like a few years to get going. So, I mean, look, Reggie Theus was like a flash in the pan, even though, you know, Reggie was, was flashy, you know, his, his short stay in Orlando. I think Terry Catledge, he also kind of brought this mystique. I always hear about some of these crazy Terry Catledge stories when it comes to road trips and stuff as well. But, I mean, look, in today's game, he would be – he wouldn't be able to fit in just because he wasn't a three-point shooter. He was your classic, classic power forward. Let's, I mean, and let's, let's, let's be clear. Really, really before the 95 magic, nobody in the league. Were no, no, I agree. Out. No, I mean, the magic, are like one the, of the, 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 those mid nineties magic that, people, magic teams were, were what brought the revolution. Basically they were. Yeah. They were. The, the, the 1995 NBA finals changed the NBA. Because the Rockets were also yeah, they're doing the same team. stuff. Um, but yeah, so so I mean, Catledge obviously was a product of his time in, in, in a lot of ways, in, in a lot of ways, and, and obviously a, a huge part of that inaugural team. Which you know, they were what eight and eight to start the season. I think it was seven and seven, and then they uh, they fell seven off seven. after that. 
and then they were an expansion team and, and it's yeah it's not fair to, to expect an expansion team plus i mean the magic didn't have much center depth i mean the, the magic didn't become the magic till they drafted Shaq. basically Shaq was the godsend that because back then if you wanted to become anything you needed a stud center you needed a stud center be it you know you look at the other franchises like you know the knicks had patrick ewing the Spurs had David Roberts, Robinson. Of course, the Rockets had Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, if you wanted to become something of anything in the you know late '80s, early '90s, into the late '90s, you needed a stud center. And so, you know, when you're depending on guys like Dave Corsi, in which that definitely did not work out. Um, Rest in peace, Dave Corsi. Yeah, yes. All right, you know, Greg Kite, um, and I'm, I'm missing a few of the other big. Are, 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 you telling me Stan, are you telling me Stanley Roberts wasn't the answer? Hey, he was better than let's say Mark Akers. He was. He was better. He was. He was all. He was fine his rookie year, and 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 they just happened to get the number one pick the next year, and Shaq was with the prize. Yeah, it's. It, it, I think I'd take Shaq over Stanley. Uh, Roberts. Yeah, I think everyone would basically at that point. So, um, it's tough with what, these. What, and let's be honest, you you and I were basically very young at this point in our lives uh, to to really recall a lot of those early games, even though we've we've seen a lot of them. Not we were basically yeah. babies during this time, and so that's why even you and I can struggle sometimes with guys like like Catledge and Theus, even though we've we've. Seen, I you remember Otis Smith Jerry, was Jerry able Reynolds. to run around back before his knees went dead too, as well. So. Yeah, Otis Otis Smith had. Two of the biggest shots in Magic history to beat the Bulls and, and the Lakers. And I would argue like Otis Smith. Year. Is Otis on your list? I don't think Otis is. I don't think Otis I would made my list. put Otis on your list over over a few people like Juwan Howard, which I'm going to throw him into the. I'm going to throw him into the ring now. You can you can stand for your, for your. Okay, I I I am going to stand for Juwan Howard. Um, I I I will admit Otis Smith was a glaring omission. I think some of the reason was the longevity. Plus, and, he's technically. Uh, ben, he, overall, he had a very good general manager stint. It didn't. He was he's he he was the best general manager in Magic. You can make an because, argument that uh, Dave Twardzig helped a lot with the, with those teams when it was him. When, he, I mean, but bottom line with Otis Smith, he authored as general manager. He authored the most sustained success in Magic yeah. history. Uh, what was it? Was what uh, six straight years in the playoffs? Three straight years out of the first round. Yeah, that's that sounds uh, two, two sound straight conference right finals. Me, yeah, because then we had the disappointing 2011 year. But um, <laughs> anyway, no, that sounds about yeah, right. We don't talk about that year. Although Dwight should have won MVP that year. He should have. Um, and the okay, people defending me... Derrick Rose for that, I'm still not pleased with. But Dwight should no, MVP. You're wrong. History, history proved Derek... is proving and coming out that Dwight should have won MVP over Derrick. Derek Derek Rose won that MVP on Media Day when he started talking about winning MVP. Yeah, that's true. The media wrote the the media, even though Dwight Howard and probably LeBron James were better in every single way uh, that season. Yeah, no, I. I the agree. only thing was the Bulls were the top seed in the East that year. Yeah, but I, I uh, I'm I'm riding with Dwight on that one. I, I just I just yeah, have, I, I am too. I, um, just like how, let me stand how for I Jim. still uh, just like how I still stand. I was gonna say just how like I would be on a soapbox thinking saying that Tracy McGrady should have finished a lot higher in the 0203 MVP voting but I'll I'll yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see the floor um, to you now The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Incidentally, Dwight Howard, number 19 on on my underappreciated list because I think everyone nationally has forgotten how good he really was. Um, Let me stand for Juwan Howard. I had him number 25 on my list. Ahead of Reggie Theus, ahead of Jason Richardson, ahead of my man Darko Milicic. Yes. Um, no, no, but, you have Darko above. Uh, um, you had Darko at like twenty. Uh, I had Darko at twenty-eight. You had Darko. For, Unless you I had cha- Darko further ahead, but oh, maybe I changed it. I may. I might be. Maybe on your personal list, list you this, had Juwan higher. This stuff. This stuff. This stuff changes, yeah. but um, Darko's on there because I love. I love Magic Darko. Magic we Darko is one of my favorite. Darko Milicic more than any other NBA team. Darko, Darko was a usable NBA player. Darko in was great. The, Ser- everyone the Serbian Swatter is one of the best giveaways ever in Magic history. Yes, it, yes, it was. The the the, the Darko Milicic fly swatter, and then the uh, Hito Turka glue stick was was one of my favorites. Uh, as absolutely. Well. Um, but uh, let me stand for okay. Jawan Howard. Um, uh, I had him on this list. Uh, you are you are you're gonna ha- you hated me mercilessly for it, but. Um, there's very little about the 2004 season that should be remembered. Really, just Tracy McGrady scoring 62 points is, is about the only thing that that any and uh, and the Christmas Day battle with the uh, rookie. I teams. went to a vast the, the vast majority of home games that season. I went to those. I attended those games. I was there for yeah. I, I saw the well the Christmas game. I saw on TV. That's that's one that's a masterful Bill Walton called game as well. But. Um, you know, that's the one where people remember the McGrady-LeBron duel, but it was Juwan Howard that won the game in overtime. Juwan Howard had like nine points in that overtime. It was absurd. It was by far probably like yeah. his best moment in a Magic jersey, I thought. But, it, it, pro- it probably but was. Cause, cause, like, I, was the, the reason... I was in the building when we ended that 19-game losing streak to the Suns. <laughs> Bordon Giracek was getting MVP votes at the free throw line that night. So gonna Yeah, that's that. right. But... Shaman Shaman Williams is is forever immortalized in Magic history for helping end that end that. You know streak. that was the Drew. Um, that was the season where Drew Gooden missed game, missed uh, a game, maybe a couple games for the uh, hair follicle infection issue. Yes. So there's right. there's a lot of things um, that went and wrong, and so, I was there for so, way too much of it. But okay, sorry, defend your man the, for one. The, so yes, so so the 2004 season, as you can tell, that's probably. If it's if not the worst team in Magic history, it's it's in the bottom five. That was a terrible oh, it's team like bottom with so many bad worst. things and happening. This is coming off playoff. I think season. it's I think it's this the worst playoff I think it, season. I think it was the worst team in Magic history for the record. But um, but obviously some just terrible terrible things. It, you know, you were at most games that year. I was at a lot of games that year. Um, we're both of the age where I think. You know the Tracy McGrady teams. Like we we experienced the ninety the nineties teams as kids. The Tracy McGrady teams were really the teams where we became more basketball oh, aware yeah. of what was going on and and understanding what we were actually Absolutely. watching. Absolutely. Um, and so that added to the disappointment of that season in my in in my view or personally for me. Um, but the one thing that I always appreciated on that team was Jawan Howard. Um, you know, maybe it's because I didn't have a deeper understanding and, and analytics weren't at the level they are now. So if you show me the numbers, I'd probably say, okay, yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, but really I mean, those weren't around back then, so whatever. Yeah, and and I was in middle school, so I didn't I didn't know the difference. Um, but uh, I always appreciated that Jawan Howard showed up 
Every game. I think he even played to the end of the season. He played 81 games. He started 77. Yeah, he played every game that year. He put up his 15 and 8 and just did his work, even though everything around him was crap. Tracy McGrady quit on that team in, in yeah, from December. A, from an averages December. And I'm probably being generous yeah. saying he quit on that from team. From an averages perspective, yeah. I mean, if you look at just the box scores, it's, you know, Juwan Howard averaged 17 points per game and seven rebounds per game. And you look at that and it's like, oh, he did all right, whatever. But if you had to really watch, I like, I, defensively, he gave up maybe double that amount of points. Yeah, he he was not but, good I defensively. Mean, yeah, but McGrady the idea, played, that, started sixty-seven games, and then he just he he just he couldn't do it. He quit at the end. He did. He quit. He he played in sixty-seven <laughs> games. Uh, A lot I would of venture to guess he played. He played hard in and and I love Tracy McGrady to death. So I'm saying this hopefully as kindly as I can. Um, <laughs> he probably really only played in thirty. <laughs> Like big games, the the LeBron game on Christmas, the sixty-two point game when he was really feeling it. Yeah, he got into it. Which I I was very proud to have been at in the stands for that sixty-two point game. That was that was fantastic, and I and I have to thank Gilbert Arenas because if he didn't also score forty, McGrady wouldn't have been out yeah. there to score the sixty-two. They they prolonged that game. Yes, they did, um, and that game was tight. Like they needed all sixty-two of those points, um, but uh, it, yeah, it. I, I just always appreciate... I mean, I had Jawan Howard fairly low on this list, so I'm not saying he's, like, high on the list of guys that, that we don't appreciate in Magic history, but I personally, I always appreciated that he came to work every day in, in such a terrible situation, um, you know. Uh, for those that don't have the context, that this season the Magic were coming off uh, losing a 3-1 lead to the Detroit Pistons. I think their idea was we're going to get kind of a spread, spread big man, a guy who could step out and shoot jumpers, with Drew Gooden, so they'd have Howard at the center, Gooden at the four, and it's probably a little bit ahead of their time to try this, and it just did not work out. Howard did not work as a center. They tried for a while to move Drew Gooden to small forward. He threw a hissy fit. Teron Lue was the point guard. It probably tells you all you need to know there. Uh, you know, Reese Gaines was the draft pick. <laughs> yeah. He didn't make it in the league very long. There's, there's some, um, there's some was, rough stuff in there. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't pretty. It, it's, it's Keith Bogans is involved, even though Keith Bogans... Keith Bogans is always involved, and he should have been on this list. And I apologize. You for know, Pat Garrity, you know, losing him at the start of the season basically collapsed the Magic season. Pat Garrity, in many instances, especially after Mike Miller got traded away, with Pat Garrity, you could argue was the second best player next to Tracy McGrady on some of those teams. Oh God! Like you, you really. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, man. I, I like Gordon Gerichek enough to probably say it was Gordon, Gordon, but then they traded him for what, yeah, Sean Stevenson. Stevenson. That, that was the Utah trade, but um, gosh, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm pulling this roster up, and I mean, there's, there's some ten day guys. That's the famous Desmond Enico. Rod Strickland played for that team for What's a little that? while. Rod Strickland played for, played on that team for a little while. Yeah, man. Um, gosh, it's, it's unbelievable looking at some of this. Um, but you know, Stephen Hunter, my, my hate for him is there forever. One of the few um, bright spots. This, this is this is a this is a no Stephen Hunter slander zone. This is this is a slander free zone for Stephen Hunter. Man? This is a You're safe space Stephen for him. Hunter? I mean, he, he wasn't good, but but I, I I liked I liked our terrible centers in in that in that era. A rookie. I I ride or die with Mario. It, it was it was basically it, it was terrible because you had a rookie Zaza Pachulia who was airballing like ten foot jumpers. You had Drew Gooden taking a whole bunch of three pointers that he had no right to take. 
You know, the guy that should have probably been taking him was Juwan Howard, because, but because Juwan had no arc at all in his shot, he really couldn't go back. He had a push shot. I, I tried I tried copying that shot so many times. I'm like, how the heck does he make this thing work? Um, but, oh, God. And they never got okay, it right. Okay, we got to move on to something else because this 014 yeah. is so depressing. It's going to kill me. <laughs> let's, let's move to, to, to less depressing times then. Um, one guy... And, and and we'll get to the top more to the top of the list and the guy that I actually had in mind when I when I thought up this this prompt, um, but one guy that got a lot of debate on uh, among fans when I when I introduced this topic and this idea um, was someone who wasn't with the Magic for very long and, I, and I'm curious what, what you think about about him, Katino Mo. Oh, that's my um, You go back. That's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy that I I I mean you used to think my tweet in the in the piece, but that's. I'm pretty Kat's, sure I did. Cat's one of the few guys that I pushed, and I'm like, look, man, we had him for less for basically half a season, and not even, not even, and the magic collapsed after that because John Weisbrod, I will defend him as a GM, except for two big moves. Um, one of them was uh, was obviously the trade. The, the basically he this is where his hockey brain uh, killed him because. He thought the Magic needed more defense, and he went and got a guy in Doug Christie and gave up a shooter, you know, a, a fantastic 46% three-point shooter in Katino Mobley without realizing the consequences of chemistry and knowing how much that him and Steve Francis were tied together. Like, they might as well have been brothers. They're basically brothers without being related. And once that trade would happen, we got, we come in with Doug Christie with the, with the bone spurs and the, you know, obviously the uh, – the interesting uh, one of the I, one of the most disastrous. I mean, the Magic have had some disastrous trades in their history. This the, the Catino Mobley Doug Christie trade is among the most disastrous trades in Magic history. It it, it might be second behind the uh, the uh, Marcin Gortat Michael Petrus Vince Carter for Hito Turkoglu trade. Hito Turkoglu and Jason Richardson trade. Yeah, I mean it's. It, at least that one. That one is was more of like a desperation to seeing like okay, we we see stuff's kind of coming off the rails here. We're trying to salvage something. This instance, like the Magic were doing great. The Magic were on pace to be fun. like a playoff team, possibly. You know, it. And I'm always gonna hate Francisco Elson for for ruining uh, Kelvin Cato's uh, shoulder and whatnot. But I mean, that Cato Dwight Howard big man duo actually worked. Like it, it was insane. You had a rookie, Jameer Nelson, kind of learning the ropes behind Steve Francis. And he was pesky. I love Jameer Nelson in his rookie early years. Seasons, like he was just, he was Nelson, just or like the first few years before, you know, he had to then compete with guys like Carlos Arroyo and Keon Dueling. Like, I like Jameer's, like the first two years, for sure. And you have Jameer listed on your list as an underrated person. And, I mean, that's, a, you know, we can we can jump on that. I think that's more of a national a national thing. I mean... I agree. I'm looking at this list again, and I agree. He's probably a little like there's some guys in that top ten that I'm like, yeah, that guy's a little too high. But I mean, look, Jameer's issue is obviously look, he was an All Star the season we went to the finals, but he got hurt just before the All Star game, and then Rafer Alston comes in to rescue the day, and then you're always going to have that controversy and that debate: should you know the Magic have played Jameer Nelson at all or should they have just stuck with the Rafer Anthony Johnson backward uh you know point guard uh duo um I always am gonna be a a Rafer Anthony Johnson defender and say Jameer shouldn't have been in there but there's other people that say otherwise so um and I would probably hedge my bet there I I I thought I thought at the time that playing Jameer Nelson was the right thing to do because if he gives you the best chance to win 
you should play him. Um, I think that by game two, it was clear that he was not that Jameer Nelson and Stan Van Gundy relied on him too much. And that was a mistake. And then, I mean, on top of that, you know, Anthony Johnson, who played well during that play, you know, that playoff, Anthony Johnson, Anthony Johnson has a very famous dunk against the Sixers to end a quarter. You know? Yes, he does. Um, but Rafer, he's, he's a big, you know, for a guy that wasn't known as a shooter, Rafer Austin had some really big stat lines in that, in, in that play and that postseason run. His, his. The, the defensive strategy on Rafer was uh, against the Magic was make Rafer shoot. And the Magic would win or, you know, won or lost games based on whether Rafer was hitting shots. And he made all his shots in, in the Cleveland But, series. I mean, the bigger thing is, you know, Rafer is a, was a much ta- you know, taller, longer uh, point guard than Jameer. He's a way, yeah. way better defender. And, you know, we, we're always going to have that Derek Fisher uh, shot uh, in our minds. I, I, I don't think that was Jameer's fault. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what, yeah, I mean... One play, that I watch. Play, I watch. I watch. I watch. But just kind of like the decision as a whole. Yeah. No. Jameer. Jameer should not have been in at the end of games. Like that was. That was just bad coaching. Stan Van Gundy, as good as Stan Van Gundy was for Magic, and he's the best coach. Oh in Magic yeah, history, zero doubt. He got thoroughly out coached and out strategized by Phil Jackson. He made all the wrong moves in that. Yeah, NBA and finals. I mean, like that's one of those just, where there's no way around it. People look at Kobe and whatnot, but it's really support guys like Lamar Odom and and uh, Trevor Reza who Reza. really, especially when it came to Hito, Hito really had issues going up against Ariza uh, and uh, and Lamar. I mean, it, it felt like, it, I mean, not to rehash the finals <laughs> too much here, but it, it felt like that entire series. Dwight Howard would get Andrew Bynum in foul trouble within the first three and a half, four minutes. Yeah. And that would force the Lakers to go small. And that actually helped. It did. Us. No, you're right. No, you're not wrong. Because because then because Rashard Lewis had a great finals, but they were able to like match up with everyone, and so Pau Gasol could neutralize Dwight a little bit. Um, you know, the, and and in the regular season, the Magic's one big advantage over the Lakers was Jameer Nelson could torch Derek Fisher, and I think that's what was in Stan's yeah. head is if Jameer figures it out, he can torch Derek Fisher, and that can win us games. And Jameer just wasn't that. Yeah, no, I mean, he wasn't ready. And it was clear by it was clear by it was clear in game one he wasn't. He that wasn't ready, ready, you know. But all right, so yeah, I mean, from an underrated perspective, I mean, look, a lot of Magic fans, I think, rate Jameer actually pretty pretty high. And from a historical standpoint, yeah. you know, Jameer's got a lot of numbers and statistics to back up, you know, his tenure as 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 a as a high caliber kind of Magic franchise player as far as what he did for the team. But, I mean, people forget the years that he struggled to hold on to his job, where whether it had been, you know, Keon Dueling, or especially when we did the, the trade with Detroit that brought in Darko and Carlos Arroyo. Carlos Arroyo gave Jameer a run for his money for that job. So it's kind of how do you view Jameer? Do you view Jameer as when he went when he had his all-star season, that 08-09 season? Or do you view him, you know, afterwards when – the Magic are kind of on the downhill, and you got Jameer, you know, even even that first rebuild year, you know, people hold on to Jameer because the Magic, that first rebuild season, uh, you know, with Jacques Vaughn, you know, Jameer, he, 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 him and Glenn Davis were big reasons why the Magic were competitive at the start before Glenn Davis. I mean, that Magic. season, yeah, Glenn Davis is, uh, we're, we're, this is going to be actually set in a podcast. Glenn Davis breaking his arm. Hurt cost the Magic a playoff run. It did. The it Magic didn't. were the eighth seed. They were they were literally they had a playoff spot at that instant before Mecca Okafor put Glenn Davis on the shelf, and then everything else collapsed, and then the trade started happening where you know J- uh, JJ Reddick gets dealt at the uh, at, at before the All Star break. 
I mean, the season fell yeah. apart at that point. I think they lost six or seven. In it was a lot. Point, and, and that's, <laughs> it was yeah. a lot of losing. Yeah, it was, it, it was a lot. Um, the last guy I want to touch on, and, and this was actually kind of the guy that I had in mind when I, when I created this prompt. It's another guy from that 2009 team that I don't think gets enough credit for what he did. Uh, and even at the time, I think, did not get enough credit for what he did and was really just kind of, you know, somewhat the, the scapegoat for, for, some re- for some reason, for some things, not for everything, because I think it, it shifted to Jameer a little bit with the injury. Um, but I always didn't think Richard Lewis got his due. Oh, no. Um, I, felt like, I felt like people looked at Richard Lewis as he's a max contract guy, why isn't he doing more? The Magic bit against themselves. And whenever I hear that, I think to myself, the Magic went to the finals. They had their most success, sustained success in team history. They probably had, if not their best team in franchise history, their, their second and probably third or fourth best team in franchise history that season, if not for Richard Lewis. They got their money's worth and more. Oh, absolutely. And, and I don't think people like, and I think... But I, what I always loved about Richard Lewis was there were so many little things he did during the course of a game. And it's not just him sacrificing and being willing to play power forward and revolutionizing that position. It was, he was a fantastic defender, able to defend the perimeter and the post. I mean, he checked Kevin Garnett on several Absolutely. occasions. Um, he was, to my eye, probably the best entry passer the Magic have ever had. He would put the ball and get the ball to Dwight Howard Exactly where he needed. That's like a lost art now. And, entry passes. Are lost. No one, no one can throw an entry pass anymore. It's disgusting. It's, it's like I think half of honestly, I think half of Nikola Vucevic's problems at establishing good post position are no one throws him a good pass, no, and he has to he has to reach out and 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 get it and gets pushed off. The I think spot. this past season was is definitely it was has been the best uh, entry pass season that, that he's that he's gotten as far as because <laughs> yeah. before no one literally could get him. Now it's like. Uh, DJ Augustine's gotten really d- decent at actually getting him a decent uh, entry pass. But no, I agree. Like, I mean, people look at the contract and people are always going to be like, oh, who was bidding against the Magic? Why did the Magic offer Richard Lewis, you know, the max to leave Seattle or whatever? But there there was a bidder or two out there. There was. There were. Whether I think I can recall, like, I think the Rockets were interested. In I think like, Houston was one. And Houston's his hometown, yeah, too. Like, so not, 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 not in I want to say the Wizards were another team, maybe. But um, I, I want, but with Richard. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it, but Stan Van Gundy will always, whenever Stan gets into a conversation and talks about the you know those Magic teams, Rashard Lewis is like the number one guy he brings up because once Tony Batie went down, it's like, okay, Rashard, can I know we brought you here to be a small forward, but can you be a power forward? And and I think in those free agent negotiations, he specifically said, I will not play power forward. Yeah. I do not want to be a power forward. But he did it, and he didn't complain. I never once saw – I mean, maybe towards the end because the injuries and just the wear and tear finally ate at him. He kind of mentions like, hey, I played a lot of years at power forward, you know. And I, even though he's a 6'10 guy, he's he's a, he's a pretty slight – I don't want to say skinny guy, but, I mean, he's not built like – like a standard he's not like a tony batiste build like he was a guy that literally was meant to play small four he was basically kevin durant you know not maybe as mobile as kevin durant or as great with the ball not as good off the dribble but i mean that shot that shot took some yeah no it did but i mean richard he's the reason why the magic broke the detroit pistons curse that lasted like five years 
that game winner that yeah. he that he that he scored uh you know the year before we went to the finals in, in that regular season that lifted the curse i think we'd lost something ridiculous like 12 out of 13 or even more games against the pistons or something that and then i after think jimmy nelson had a game winner against issue. the pistons a few years earlier too yeah, yeah but no and, and it was and then you look during, he changed, during he changed the 09 final that 09 playoff run you know he has two huge he has three big shots against the the Cavs in that eastern conference finals basically he has the game one he has one of the home games as well, and I think he had another one for I can't for um, for that series. But I want to say it was Game Four that he, he hit the or Game. There's the Game Three. There's the Game Three overtime. The shot that forced overtime. Yeah, but or is that Game? That was Game Four. I get them mixed up now, but um, Richard was just amazing that whole playoff series, and it was money well spent in my mind. And he's he's very underrated. I think I, I think you can definitely put him in like top five almost on your list. I think yeah. He, yeah, he needs yeah. he needs to be up there. People he's, focus on the money and the contract, but if you see what what he did, just the spacing alone that he allowed guys like Hito to drive to the hole, or allowed Dwight to not get double teamed nearly as much, or they weren't able to double team immediately before he even got the ball. You know, Richard was able to do a ton, and he could post people up. And he rebounded fairly, fairly well for his position when you have a guy like Dwight who's gobbling up all the rebounds. So, um, yeah, yeah Richard's just very underrated. Uh, yeah, this is this is definitely a. I mean, everyone in Orlando should be a Richard Lewis fan. Um, he's just he is he is seemingly a good good guy. You know, obviously sacrificed that team. I I don't think we talk enough about the shot he made in Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals. Enough. We talk about the other shot um, and and. In game yeah. four, um, we, we talk a lot about that shot. I just remember the, um, which the is hug a with heck Hito. of a shot. I, you just remember him making it, and then Hito and him hugging it out, and, and all all those uh, arena fans just going up and going crazy. But yeah, I, I mean, I remember. I always remember where I was for that for that game one. I mean, I was I was at a, at the Miller's Ale House near the airport for that, where there's like a thousand Magic fans in there watching, and it was just crazy how how he. He just he he won that game one and he changed that series. I mean, the Magic would have swept the Cavs if LeBron doesn't pull that shot out of his rear end. Yeah, it would have been a sweep. Yeah, it would have been. I I, I agree with you. I think the I think the Magic just had their their number that year and and Richard was solid at, at every moment. He he wasn't maybe the the All Star that 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 everyone wanted him to be. He was an All Star in two thousand. But Stan and yeah, kind of and I mean. Like he sacrificed. Ended, he was the one that made yeah, it all work. Stan, even though Richard ended up being like an all-star replacement, he's still an all-star. But I mean, Stan will always say that Richard did a lot of the dirty work, and that's why like his points per game weren't higher than maybe people would have expected for the money he made because the team didn't need that. The Magic had four great scores all at, at all times on the court, and so Richard could have easily, you know, he could have gotten more elsewhere from a statistical standpoint. But because that team was that team. And we had enough offensively. He didn't have to average you know, over 20 points per game. It didn't require it. He had to do a lot of the dirty work. My thanks to Adam Papa Giorgio for stepping in and discussing my list of the most underappreciated players in Magic history. You can, of course, read that article up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll link to it on our social media platforms as well, at LockedOnMagic on Twitter as well as on Facebook. You can definitely follow Adam Papa Giorgio on Twitter, at Papa Giorgio MBO. That's P. A-P-A-G-E-O-R-G-I-O-U-M-B-O. I'm not going to repeat that, but check our social media channels. We'll be thanking him 
uh, and you can follow him there. And check out his podcast, the Penny and Pops podcast as well. More magic discussion as well if you like what you hear from Adam. He'll be back tomorrow on the show to talk about the current Orlando Magic team and what to expect from the 2020 season. So we'll hear plenty more from Adam coming up tomorrow. I am well over my time. That, that, that The whole FIBA World Cup segment took a little longer than I thought. I, we talked very extensively about Magic history here. But I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at philiprr_omd. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 